Thanks to Slack for supporting Industry Focus. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's July 5th, and I'm your healthcare show host, Christine Hargis. I'm on the phone today with Todd Campbell, a fool.com healthcare specialist. Todd, how was your Independence Day? It was great. I was actually up in northern Maine in the quaintest little village, and they did a parade that was just basically people walking down the street led by a drum major to a brass band. That sounds awesome. Was there anybody, it was. It was so down home. Was there anybody around to watch the parade, or was the whole town in it? There was at least 15 people on the sidelines. Okay, solid. <laughs> you know, good turnout. <laughs> yep, yep. But it was a, it was a very nice 4th of July. Um, didn't get to see any fireworks, though. How about you? Oh, I saw I saw enough for the both of us. I mean, I, I live in D.C., so you kind of have to, right? Oh, I could hear them from afar, but, you know, those dreaded pine trees, they were blocking my view. Oh, man. Well, maybe next year. Come come visit HQ and we'll, we'll watch some fireworks. There we go. So I don't know about you, but I'm actually very happy to be back after the long weekend. So I'm kind of kind of happy to just be back in the office and in the studio. And so for the show today, we are talking about retail pharmacies. Right, uh, Rite Aid and Walgreens attempts to make a deal were all over the news last week before we took a hiatus for the long weekend. So we're going to digest these headlines for y'all and then talk about the pharmacy space at large. Sound good, Todd? Yeah, there were a lot of fireworks last week and uh, related to this merger, right? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's it's, un- it's unfortunate. I know, I know a lot of our listeners um, probably are, are looking at it and saying, please tell me something good. I mean, th- this was a deal that was supposed to go through. It's been on the, uh, you know, hopefully going to go through. Back in 2015, you know, investors were thinking they were going to get $9 a share. For Rite and, Aid. Yeah, for Rite Aid. Uh, Walgreens offering uh, over $9 billion to acquire the company lock stock and barrel and you know now with shares of Rite Aid sitting below three you need to triple before you get back to those levels uh, and that's all about the FTC and you know to mix a bunch of metaphors together right no joy in Mudville last week uh, the FTC has struck out uh, the Rite Aid Walgreens merger Right. So uh, digging through the timeline here a little bit, as you said, back in October 2015, that's when you had the original deal that was announced. And that was since revised because the FTC was like, no, you guys can't just get together. It would be it would be not, not enough competition in this space, which is perhaps not surprising when you consider that between CVS, Rite Aid and Walgreens, they completely dominate the retail pharmacy space. So yeah, that's- it's crazy, Christine. You've got like this this top tier of because of consolidation over the last decade, this top tier of players that includes you know those three that you just mentioned, plus you know Walmart's a big player in that too. But if you conclude that just that top tier, they control like two thirds of uh, of market share in prescription drug volume uh, by revenue, and that's just an amazingly consolidated uh, industry to be trafficking in, and that's why obviously. You know, the FTC was concerned that pairing these two companies up together 
um, might be a problem. Right. So then the two had to revise their agreement down to an acquisition price of between six fifty and seven dollars per share of Rite Aid, depending on how many of the Rite Aid stores were divested. So that was going to be between either one thousand and twelve hundred stores sold to a company called Fred's, and so that six fifty to seven range was dependent on how many stores between one thousand and twelve hundred were divested. So yeah, then, I felt like this whole deal, Christine, was all about, well, what if we try this? Will you yeah. approve this? How about this? Yeah. So and I, just kept throwing darts at the wall, hoping that the FTC would say, oh, yeah, that works for us. Yeah. So but that was no. that was plan B. And last Monday, Rite Aid shares soared 30% on news that the merger is more likely than not to be approved by the FTC coming up ahead of their deadline of July 7th. But now we're on to plan C because the deal fell apart again. Yeah, rumors and innuendo don't buy stocks because of them. I mean, this is this is just a, 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 a prime example of you, you never know if a deal is going to close until the deal closes, especially when you're talking about a relatively, a very competitive market like pharmacy and pharmacy retail. You know, Walgreens uh, is the second largest player in terms of, for, as far as retail uh, pharmacy market share with about 13.8%. Rite Aid clocks in about 5%. Combining the two together would give you about 19% market share uh, in, in retail pharmacy. Obviously, you know, that was too, uh, too concentrated for the FTC to go ahead and say, yep, we're okay with it. So, you know, back to the drawing board for yet another try at a very, very different deal. Right. So now the deal is that Walgreens will acquire around half of Rite Aid stores, 2,186 of them, and they'll get some other things like inventory as well. And in return, they will give Rite Aid $5.175 billion in cash, and Rite Aid will also receive a $325 million merger termination fee. Yeah, it's thank goodness, right, that they were able to at least get this deal uh, well, it's not approved yet, but this deal to announce this deal at the same time they announced the abandon the Walgreens was abandoning the prior bid because who knows where the share price would have gone on Rite Aid. As a refresher to go back in time for investors, Rite Aid uh, took on a tremendous amount of debt back in the late 2000s to expand, right? Because they recognized, okay, if we want to keep up with CVS and Walgreens, we need to grow our footprint, build up our buy power. So they, they did a lot of acquisitions, but unfortunately, they did those acquisitions with debt. That debt was costly, and it really just you know hamstrung them. Um, the, the, for Walgreens to step in and say, we'll buy you, including all of the problems that you may have profitability-wise, um, was, was, was great. Now we're looking at a situation where those problems still exist. There's a tremendous amount of debt still on the balance sheet. Um, you've got some questions regarding how bloated maybe um, you know, corporate expenses are relative to some of their other retailing peers. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that make people nervous about this company surviving or thriving against the CVS and the Walgreens on a standalone basis. Some may be unfounded, though. Yeah, I actually kind of like where this leaves Rite Aid. So as you mentioned, they're sitting on a, a ton of debt. It's over $7 billion last time I looked. And so right now, when they get $5 billion plus from Walgreens, a lot of that is going to be able to delever them and help bring down interest expense. They paid $432 million in interest expense just last year. 
And so I like this shift in strategy from them where they're not going to be trying to take on a bunch more debt to expand their footprint. In fact, they're doing the opposite. They're, they're selling these stores to Walgreens so that they can actually focus on their own profitability. And I think, and this is an important thing to note here, they also have a PBM business, and that, that's Envision RX, is their pharmacy benefits management business. And that's going to become a more important segment of Rite Aid now that they don't have as many stores to worry about. Yeah, it's almost like, okay, so now we gave you the bad news. Now here's maybe the good news. Here's here's the silver lining. What could go right uh, in the playbook for Rite Aid as you go forward? And without a doubt, like you said, Envision RX is a big part of that because the pharmacy benefit management business is a higher EBITDA generating as a percentage of sales. It, it's more profitable than the retail store business. So you're going to get a shift in revenue mix that theoretically will provide a tailwind to the company's profitability once this deal closes, assuming, obviously, the FTC doesn't block it. The FTC could still uh, halt this deal in its tracks, so people should be aware that that risk still exists. It doesn't have the blessing yet of the regulators. If Envision RX is able to continue to grow against some very large players, including Express Scripts and CVS Health, United Healthcare has a PBM business as well, then theoretically, an argument I think could be made that you know investors are overreacting and how much they've driven down the share price because you know if I just look at price to sales for Express Scripts, it's about 0.40 right now. And, you know, if I look at the fact that, you know, the Envision RX business is going to do $6 billion in sales, you could make an argument that that's worth $2.4 billion. And market cap right now, and right, it's about $2.7 billion. So would you pay $300 million for 2,000 stores? I would. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's a really interesting point. Um, so before we take a break, what about Walgreens in this situation? Where does this leave them? Walgreens, and I think, is a winner in this. You know, they theoretically they got to go through, look at their entire footprint, figure out what stores they could get from Rite Aid that would dovetail perfectly within their own model. Um, they say that they're going to be able to make this deal accretive within one year. They think they they can carve 400 million in synergies, i.e., cost savings, uh, layoffs, whatever, um, out of, out of this deal. So they're going to make money on this deal. So for Walgreens' perspective, hey. We don't get the problems. We don't have to buy the problems. We can just buy the stores we want, uh, walk away, and you know, theoretically, this makes us bigger, stronger, and even more profitable. So I think that they're a winner. Rite Aid is more of a mixed bag because you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, how much of the debt can will we pay off? Will we be lean and mean enough to be able to survive and thrive as we go forward? There is something else, though, Christine, we didn't mention. Uh, we should probably touch on real quick. And that's the ability to piggyback on Walgreens uh, buying power. Oh, yeah. This is an important detail here. So I'll, I'll let you go into the details. But essentially, Rite Aid can still buy drugs at cost from Walgreens affiliates for up to 10 years. Right. So one of the big reasons that, that Rite Aid stores have suffered profitability-wise has been a lot of payback and compression on margins in the in the back end of the store, the pharmacy business at the retail stores. And a lot of that has come from generic drugs, which obviously are, are very much lower cost, lower margin drugs, and they represent 90% of all prescriptions written. So the ability to team up and kind of piggyback on Walgreens purchasing power 
uh, because Walgreens is much larger. They get better deal on these drugs. Theoretically, that should boost store profitability. There's also opportunities to boost store profitability by investing in ready clinics, which are in-store clinics that could drive additional volume there as well, and doing remodeling. Uh, they've got about 60% of their footprint will up, be updated to the most recent modeling that they like or the format that they, that they like, the wellness format. And I assume that they'll probably, you know, double down and, and get the rest of those 40% uh, upgraded to those stores too. Coming up after a short break, we will take a look at one company that just might wind up disrupting the entire space as we know it. Thanks so much to Slack for supporting our podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all of your team's communications in one place, making your working lives simpler and more productive. Here at The Motley Fool, we love Slack. Slack allows you to organize your entire team and reduce emails with real-time messaging, voice and video calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app that works on desktop and mobile. So no more searching through emails or multiple systems to find that one follow-up. Slack saves time and improves productivity by keeping everything on one platform. You can tailor Slack to your work with over 900 apps, and their drag-and-drop file sharing works with all the apps you already use, like Dropbox, Google Drive, and Trello. My entire team at Full HQ uses Slack every single day, and I can't imagine working without it. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. Again, that is slack.com. So before the break, we talked a little bit about what is next for these major retail pharmacies, but we left out the risk that they'll be disrupted entirely. And it may come as a little surprise that Amazon is a threat to the front of store sales in the brick and mortar stores, but the threat doesn't stop there. Amazon could effectively compete with these companies' entire operations, and it's not as far-fetched as it seems. Amazon is without a doubt one of the most innovative and aggressive retailers out there. And they have successfully disrupted uh, business after business after business. And in May, uh, some some people and some, some, I guess, chatter started about its potentially getting into the pharmacy retailing business. Now, this is, again, it's rumor, right? So we don't want to buy stocks based on rumor. However, there is some... Uh, smoke that could indicate there's fire here to the idea that Amazon might try and figure out a way to either use its newly acquired Whole Foods stores uh, to help with um, prescription fulfillment somehow uh, as delivery centers or as uh, pickup centers. Um, and there is some other evidence uh, that, that they're making a push into the pharmacy benefit management business, which we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, um, for their own uh, use, and that they could theoretically open that pharmacy benefit manager up to anyone to all sorts of employers across the nation. And, and that is is so Amazon of Amazon to do it like that, where they create something for their own internal usage and then flip it to be external facing where anybody can can come in and use it then. And they are so, so good at doing this. And in fact, actually, this reminds me of an article that I read recently in TechCrunch. It's called Why Amazon is Eating the World. If anyone listening is interested in this article, it was a really amazing uh, deep dive into basically just how Amazon is poised to 
to win everything because of this model of developing things internally and then exposing them externally. But anyway, so specifically about the PBM. So Amazon has 128,000 employees and CNBC reports that they're creating an internal pharmacy benefits manager for those employees. And this is a business where scale is everything. Margins are slim. Efficiency is huge. And so when you look at Amazon, that sounds exactly like something that Amazon could win. They are amazing at supply chain efficiencies, all their sourcing and their distribution. And so if they're able to harness that kind of that kind of scale and those efficiencies, I can really see them competing in this space. Yeah, I mean, with that many employees, you know you're spending a heck of a lot of money on healthcare. So from an internal perspective, Developing your own pharmacy benefit manager, and as a as a refresher, what those pharmacy benefit managers do is they negotiate for lower drug prices with the drug manufacturers and the distributors, right? So the bigger scale you have, the better price you can get. Amazon is a huge employer, and it's probably not lost on them that if they took their size and they paired it up with some of the other large employers in the country, hmm, maybe we can um, really get uh, our expenses to drop when it comes to healthcare costs. So there is there is reason to think that, that without a doubt they're doing the PBM. I mean, they already hired somebody earlier this year. I mean, that's a fact based on, you know, I'm just looking up at LinkedIn profiles. I found a gentleman named Mark Lyons who used to work for Primera Blue Cross, uh, which, which handles or administers the health insurance program for Amazon employees. They hired him to develop theoretically, this pharmacy benefit manager. Um, and there's also been some some talk of, of job postings out there for other uh, positions that would, would also be tied into this in developing a pharmacy business of some, of some sort. Um, so I, th- I think that it's a very intriguing uh, uh, angle for them. It would not be, I, I don't think it would be out of the question for them to, to try and pursue it. Uh, they're going to already have to co- overcome some regulatory hurdles um, anyways internally. So why not leverage you know, all of those lessons learned to, 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 to expand it more broadly? Also, Christine, it shouldn't be ignored that over in Japan, where, of course, you've got a different regulatory framework, um, they're experimenting by doing some partnerships with uh, pharmacies in major population centers where you can order your pres- you know order your prescription online have it validated by a pharmacist and then you know you can go pick it up at the pharmacy in that way that model is kind of similar to a deal that Amazon had with drugstore.com way back in the day Christine do you remember drugstore.com I do not okay this was the internet heyday late 1990s Hey, wouldn't it be great if, again, we could order things online like our prescription medicine? It was coming about around the same time that mail order pharmacy was starting to really um, uh, become a big thing, too. So Amazon took a 40% stake in drugstore.com, and drugstore.com had a 10-year supply relationship with none other than Rite Aid. So it's interesting to think that Bezos was on drugstore.com's board. Uh, the Amazon was a big investor in this this early on play, uh, and that there was already some familiar familiarity with uh, Rite Aid via that deal. Now I don't want to start you know flaming it, flaming the, the the fire that maybe Amazon would come knocking on on Rite Aid's door, but it did dawn on me that you know it, Rite Aid already has Envision RX, and you know. Amazon's shown that it has an interest in retail store footprint by buying Whole Foods. So why couldn't you just buy 
the PBM business from Rite Aid plus the stores and voila, you're in the pharmacy business. Yeah, that would be, I, I could see it. I mean, obviously you and I are just speculating here, but I would be really interested to see a map of the store footprint overlay of Amazon distribution centers, plus the Whole Foods stores that they just acquired, plus existing Rite Aid stores that are not going to end up being sold to Walgreens. And I don't think that you actually even know that last part yet. I don't think that they've uh, cherry-picked just yet which stores they would actually take. Um, that's probably contingent on this deal actually being approved by the FTC. But It's going to go. It's going to actually be rolled out, Christine, in phases. They're going to take some stores at, at a time. Uh, they do have a pro forma map up out there that would show kind of like the concentrations out afterwards, Rite Aid will be mostly West Coast and Northeast. Okay, okay. So, so, I mean, something to keep in mind for anyone at home as they're kind of drawing their own map, sketching it out with their own paper and pencil. Would this really make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing this in my head right now. And from, from the overlay maps that I've seen of Whole Foods and Amazon, that's kind of already where they are. They're, you know, it's, it's a lot of Amazon uh, kind of on the coast and then Whole Foods also on the coast, but like filling in some of the gaps in the Midwest region. Yeah, in the smaller footprint Rite Aid stores, though, Christine, like I have a Rite Aid near me, but I don't have a Whole Foods anywhere near me. Interesting. So I think I think that there are opportunities for them to fill in the gaps. Again, this is pure speculation, people. We don't know what's going to end up happening or how Amazon will pursue this, or even if they will pursue it. I mean, they they definitely throw a lot of things at the wall and to see what sticks. There just happens to be some interesting evidence that they've been interested in this industry in the past via Drugstore.com. That there are some, you know drum beats to the idea that they might be exploring doing the PBM. And then, of course, with the recent news of the deal falling apart with Walgreens, then it just makes it interesting to speculate and say, hmm, would Rite Aid be intriguing to Amazon? There's absolutely, you know, it's anyone's guess how this will all shake out. But it's definitely, definitely something that people are going to want to keep an eye on because, wow, the reverberations would be huge. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and this isn't just you and me speculating on this. I mean, they're are clearly investors everywhere that are making the connections between these two different spaces. For example, on the the day of the uh, acquisition announcement of Whole Foods, um, I was looking at the shares of some of these pharmacies, and I remember seeing both CVS and Walgreens down about four and a half percent each just on that day. And this is, for example, Walgreens gets seventy eight percent of its total gross profit from retail pharmacy. And so these these industri industries are very much intertwined, and I, I suspect that they'll become even more so. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to really start putting on your, your look forward cap. What would it look like in the future? Well, would you be able to, if you were a Prime member, would you qualify for free delivery if you were somehow being able to get vetted so that you knew that, that, that your medicine could show up to your door like mail order? Um, very simply be able to, to use it in order. I mean, who out there does not have an Amazon account at this point? You know, they've got, what, 80 million Prime members or something ridiculous like that. Theoretically, you could create one heck of a rewards program around this whole thing. Yeah, and they're a trusted name. In a, a Wells Fargo survey, they found that five in ten adults would would use or probably use an Amazon pharmacy. I would. Yeah, I would too. I absolutely would. So yeah, you, you make a good point earlier about how it, you really do need to look far, far, far out into the future if you're going to be a long-term investor, like we preach here at the Motley Fool. Absolutely. And with 300 billion plus in prescription drug spending in the U.S. alone, this is a massive market that's ripe for disruption. And there's no one who's better at supply chain, as you indicated earlier, than Amazon. If somebody can figure out a way to shave an additional percentage uh, off a of cost, it's going to be Amazon. 
Absolutely. Todd, thank you as always for calling into the show today. Folks, as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Feel free to email us anytime at industryfocus at fool.com. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Harges. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!